just running amok and in hiding, basically, because the paparazzi is literally chasing after me because I released my first episode of my new podcast, Broadway Baby, today. Hi, everybody. It's Andrew, the Mistress of Pop Culture. Um, I'm just so excited to announce that I have a new podcast, as I just called Broadway Baby, where I talk about all things Broadway, the great white way, the great Broadway, musical theater, my favorite shows, actors on Broadway, past and present, uh, my favorite lyricists, composers, um, costumes, stars, Bernadette Peters, Patti LaPone, Audra McDonald, uh, Elaine Stritch, and the list goes on and on and on, some of my Broadway heroes, and it's going to be great. I'm going to release uh, one episode a week. Um, to start off and just see where it goes. But it's sort of a passion project of mine because I've been a huge, 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 huge lover of Broadway and musical theater since I was a kid. It's basically how I got introduced to the arts via my sister being a ballet dancer, uh, which then led to community theater, which then led to me going to New York and seeing so many Broadway shows throughout my youth um, and teens and whatnot, which I'm so grateful for. So once again, it's called Broadway Baby. My first episode is up. Uh, so far, it's only released on Anchor, but I believe as time goes on, it's going to be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatnot, all the streaming services. So uh, stay tuned for that, and I'll let you know more about that. But I'm so excited. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's sort of just a... Uh you know, a little side hustle because we live in an era where everybody has to have like 10 or 20 jobs given the current political climate and the financial climate and the stock market is just like a muck running in free fall or in the words of Sarah Sanderson, aka Sarah Jessica Pucker, a muck, a muck, a muck, a muck. So yeah, that's that. Broadway Baby, go check it out. It's really fun. It's, uh, you know, in my first episode, I talk about Beetlejuice the Musical, um, which is one of my favorite movies ever, but of course is on Broadway now. It's going to be closing on June 6th, so tier, tier, uh, but it's a great show. So yeah, head on over. So hi, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Happy hump day. It's quite rainy here in L.A. It's actually going to be raining for the next uh, week or so, maybe even longer, according to the weather app, which is just crazy because in L.A. it's always sunny and stuff. But I think it's kind of nice that it's going to be rainy because maybe some of this rain will wash away everybody's stress and blues and, uh, you know, clean the roads off. Although you do have to be careful because all those houses that are in the hills, you know, mudslides and whatnot, those are very dangerous. Which is why, uh, one if that day comes where I can um, purchase my own home, it will not be in the hills because, honey, I don't want to go slipping and sliding. I just want to stay on the ground when my feet are on the ground and my feet are safe. So, like, yeah. So, anyways, do you guys love movies as much as I do? Um, I'm sure you do. But my favorite movie of all time, well, I have five, but my favorite old school classic, aside from The Secret Life of Walter Mitty with Danny Kaye, Virginia Mayo, is The Goonies with Sean Astin and Corey Feldman. Um, and the guy who plays Thanos, what's his name? Uh, Josh Brolin. Oh, so good. He's the older brother. He's Mickey. Such a good movie, you guys. Oh, no. I think Mickey is Corey Feldman. Uh, I don't even know. Well, let me see. Oh, Martha Plimpton's in it. It's just an all-star cast. So the reason why I'm talking about or bringing up The Goonies is because not only is it one of the greatest films ever, but there is a jaw-dropping, you know, I don't even know how to word it, but just a scandalous story that has come out today in the news um, with regards to Charlie Sheen and Corey Feldman and a certain claim that was made. All of this is a claim and all of this is a legend. I'm going to emphasize and use that word quite a bit today because, you know, there's there's three sides to every story. Party A, Party B, and the actual truth. Now, the actual truth I don't think anyone in the public will ever know because only God will know. So maybe there's four sides to every story. Party A, Party B, the truth, and then... I guess, what God or whoever you consider is above or down below. Because, you know, Phoebe Buffay, like, from Friends, obviously she um, worships Satan, and some people worship the man above. So whoever you worship, that's who probably knows the truth. And this is a pretty scandalous story because this has sort of been an ongoing um, scenario that I've been reading about. And it's not uh, the most pleasant story, but it is an important one to talk about because it's very relevant and very in the news or in the headlines, as they say. Um, 
And yeah, so I'm going to get into that. But once again, I'm Andrew Dimitri, the Ministers of Pop Culture, all things pop culture. Tonight is uh, another Super Tuesday. It is Tuesday, but um, you know, well, yesterday, Super Tuesday. Well, you know, I always record my, I think it's so secret that I always record my episodes the night before just because I want to release it really early in the morning. And it's like my homework. I love homework. I miss homework. You guys do remember going home after like middle school and you had your agenda book and you had to write all your assignments down and go home and do all your homework, but you literally didn't want to do it. So you'd procrastinate, eat your snack, watch whatever was on TV. Then it'd be like 11 o'clock would roll around and be like, oh crap, I have to write an essay. And then literally when I'd be writing my essays on Microsoft Word, I'd always be on AIM at the same time, AOL and some messenger. And I'd be like reading everybody's away messages and like going to their profiles. Remember you could do that thing where you could like put in your profile, click here, click here, and then see everybody you click. That's basically like what early day storying was via Instagram. Like now on Instagram, it's like you could have an away message up via story. It's like literally so crazy how modern times have evolved from literally AIM. Um, and then like that crazy dial up tone song. I, I love that sound. I should just like use it as my ringtone because it's one of my favorite sounds ever. But anyways, I digress. So let's get into the first story of the day. By the way, shout out to Lady Gaga's paparazzi. She's literally one of my favorite songs ever. And that's how I started this episode up because I love Lady Gaga so much. And I love that era of her music. Okay, here we go. This is from E! News. Charlie Sheen, who you guys all know from Two and a Half Men, um, and of course Denise Richards' ex, slams Corey Feldman's claim that he raped Corey Heim as a teen. Goodness gracious. Okay. Charlie Sheen is vehemently denying Corey Feldman's claim that he raped Corey Heim on the set of film Lucas. E! News can confirm Sheen was accused of raping a then 13-year-old Heim on the set of the 1986 film Lucas in Feldman's new documentary, My Truth, The Rape of Two Corys. Oh my gosh, that sounds like something I definitely want to see. I mean, it's probably going to be a really hard story to see, but it's, you know, it's very important to watch all different types of uh, stories, docs, happy, sad, painful. You know, that's how you learn and how you become sympathetic. Am I not so humble opinion? Okay, to continue. According to Entertainment Weekly, Feldman specifically alleged, quote, he told me, Charlie bent me over in between two trailers and put Crisco oil in my butt and raped me in broad daylight. Anybody could have walked by, anybody could have seen it. Um, before I continue reading this article, I did not know what Crisco was until I saw The Help because uh, Octavia Spencer's character, Minnie, um, was, you know, obviously all of her scenes are with, um, well, she ends up working for Jessica Chastain and she teaches her how to cook and about Crisco. Oh, it's the best scene ever. If you guys haven't seen The Help, you should check it out. The scene's on YouTube, though, where she's making um, fried chicken. Oh, it's one of the best scenes ever. Okay, here we go. Feldman's ex, uh, Susanna Sprague, also echoed his accusations. However, Sheen told the Huffington Post, quote, these sick, twisted, and outlandish allegations never occurred. He also stated that he hopes people will take into consideration what, quote, Heim's mother, Judy Heim, has to say. In 2017, Judy defended Charlie from the accusations which were initially made public by the National Enquirer and actor Dominic Braskia. Braskia? Quote, my son never mentioned Charlie. We never talked about Charlie. It was all made up. If my son were here to hear all of... If my son were here... Okay, I'm sorry. If my son was here to hear all of this, he would throw up. Heim insisted, of course, Heim... Uh, Unfortunately, he passed away. Ha- Corey Heim himself never named Charlie Sheen as his rapist during his short life. He died of pneumonia at the age of 38. Though Heim never publicized his alleged sexual abuse, his mother did claim he was sexually abused during his career. On the Dr. Ross show, she alleged another unnamed man was the person who assaulted her son. Over the years, these allegations have been brought up numerous times. Sheen previously took to the National Enquirer to court for defamation of character. Eventually, Sheen voluntarily dismissed the lawsuit in 2018 with a spokesperson from the Inquirer telling the rap quote in 2018 that they were amicably resolved the case out of court. E! News uh, has reached out to Sheen's reps for comment. 
I mean, this is obviously very disturbing, very sad. Um, again, it's all alleged, and you, you, we can't, I can't tell you if it's true or not because I don't know. And only the parties involved will ever know the truth. Um, and unfortunately, Corey Haim is deceased. But I'm a huge fan of Corey Feldman. I mean, I was from the Goonies, and he was so good in that movie. But I know that he he's had a bit of a traumatic past and said some you know pretty hefty things about uh, Hollywood and you know what 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 went on behind the curtain back of the day. I mean, obviously. You know, much has changed since then, as you know, the Me Too movement has really taken place and whatnot, and things have sort of evolved. Well, hopefully, but you know what? That actually brings me to my second story of the day. And you know what? I wasn't even going to talk about this, but I think it's really important to talk about it because it has to do with the Me Too movement. It has to do with one of my favorite actresses of all time, and that is Queen Jennifer Aniston. And the story is a bit of a disturbing story as well, but I think it's really important to talk about because on the note of um, sexual predatory behavior, which is again alleged. Um, I think it's just important to discuss. So let me pull this up for you here. This is from page six. I read about this this morning. It was actually the first piece of news that I read this morning because you know what? I can't even go on CNN. Usually I go on to CNN, TMZ, and E! News every morning, but I can't even go to, I can't, I just can't wake up and go to CNN right away because it's literally too painful to read about the, you know, rapidly rising, you know, uh, number or cases of the coronavirus, which is just devastating. All this going on in the political world, our president, uh, DT, it's just too much. It's just like my, my soul needs to rest and I need to just read some happy news. So usually I go to Patreon because it's not so hefty. It's not so crazy. But again, of course, this story is just not the most pleasant thing ever, but I'm going to read it because it has to do with one of my favorite people ever, Jennifer Aniston, um, who will forever in my eyes be Rachel Green, the one who says, oh, good God, I've fallen down. If you guys don't know what that reference is from Friends, you need to watch Monica's Wedding. Okay, part one. Here we go. Page six. Ari Weinstein suggested that Jennifer Aniston, quote, should be killed over sex assault claim. Now, this is a pretty hefty story, so I'm going to read it, and then we're going to talk about it, and we're going to dissect it, because that's what I do as the mistress of pop culture. So here we go. Harvey Weinstein suggested that Jennifer Aniston should be, that Jennifer Aniston, quote, should be killed upon learning that the National Enquirer was planning to report he sexually assaulted her court papers revealed on Tuesday. As you guys know, Harvey Weinstein's been in this ongoing legal case. Um, He right now, I believe, is behind bars, but he's, I guess, in a hospital wing, um, of where he is. And actually, he just fell, I believe, is the story that I read. Uh, actually, according to USA Today, Harvey Weinstein fell, hit his head while in jail. Rep says defense says trial did not, quote, fairly portray him. Uh, I think it here it says here, Harvey Weinstein fell and hit his head while trying to walk, then rather use his wheelchair on Sunday in jail. Um, Weinstein is currently being transferred. He was in the Bellevue Hospital in Manhattan last week, and he was transferred to the infirmary on Rikers Island. Um, so... Yeah, that's a little update on where he is right now. Okay, anyways, to continue this article, um, so once again, I'm going to say, Harvey Weinstein suggested that Jennifer Aniston, quote, should be killed upon learning that the National Enquirer was planning to report he sexually assaulted her, court papers revealed on Tuesday. On October 31st, 2017, amid the barrage of, quote, Me Too, or hashtag Me Too allegations against the disgraced movie mogul, Weinstein spokeswoman forwarded him an email from the Enquirer. The record show, quote, not sure if you saw this one, Jennifer Aniston wrote, Sally Hofsmeister, a senior executive at the powerhouse Citric Public Relations Company. In this email, the Enquirer said that, quote, Jennifer confided to a friend that during the production of the 2005 movie Derailed, Weinstein sexually assaulted her by pressing up against her back and grabbing her buttocks. Oh, so inappropriate, if in fact that is true. The Enquirer also said, quote, through the years, <coughs> excuse me, the Enquirer also said that through the years, he would frequently stare at her cleavage slash breast and move his mouth around, making Jennifer uncomfortable. Um, yeah, that would make it really uncomfortable too, us to go. If in fact, again, that is allegedly true. Um, quote, we also quote a source close to Jennifer who tells the Enquirer, okay, I'm going to first 
stop this by saying, and I'm not defending Harvey Weinstein in any way by saying this, but like, who of Jennifer Aniston's friends would literally go behind her back and go talk to the National Enquirer? It's literally, I love me some tabloids, and I love me some trash drags, but literally the National Enquirer, from what I've heard, and from what I've gathered from like all types of celebrities, because you know, I'm obsessed with celebrity pop culture, it's like the biggest rag of all of them. So I just don't believe it. And I mean, I do believe that he is like a monster, but I don't believe that like Jennifer Aniston's friends are literally going to the National Enquirer, but they can literally confide to Jennifer Aniston and or a lawyer. Um, quote, we also quote a source close to Jennifer who tells the Enquirer, quote, Harvey was infatuated with Jennifer Aniston, which I actually do believe that, that, that something like that would be true because Jennifer Aniston is like gorgeous and beautiful. And she's so talented. And she's so smart. I love her, but not in like that creepy way that Harvey Weinstein does. Like that's just malicious and sick. Um, to continue, he had a massive crush on her and constantly talked about how hot she was, the message added. About 45 minutes after receiving the email, Weinstein used his iPhone to send Hoff's, Hoffmeister, Hoffmeister, H-O-F-M-E-I-S-T-E-R, I'm sorry if I'm butchering that last name, a terse response to the record show, quote, Jed Aniston should be killed, he wrote. I mean, like, that's a little dramatic, Harvey. Like, pipe down. Like, you should never, first of all, you should never utter those words. Second of all, you should never put anything in writing, mister. Um, the emails were among a trove of documents filed under seal in Manhattan Supreme Court, but made public ahead of Weinstein's scheduled sentencing Wednesday after raping a hairdresser and form- forcibly performing oral sex on a former, quote, Project One Way PA, production assistant. The Inquirer never published the allegations um, regarding Anderson and his spokesperson for former friends. Star called them false. Interesting. Quote, Jennifer has never been harassed or assaulted by Harvey Weinstein, publicist Stephen Uvane said. Um, he never got close enough to even touch her, and she has never been alone with him. But last year, Anderson told Variety's Weinstein's... But last year, Anderson told Variety Weinstein's piggish behavior during the premiere of... Uh, during the premiere dinner for Derailed. By the way, I think I've reported on the survey, I'm going to reiterate it one more time. I remember I was sitting, quote, this is a quote from Jennifer. I remember I was sitting at the dinner table with Clive Owen and our producers, and a friend of mine was sitting with me, she said, and he literally came up to the table and said to my friend, get up. And I was like, oh my gosh. And so my friend got up, I moved, and Harvey sat down. It was just such a level of gross entitlement and piggish behavior. Um, yeah, I'm going to, that's pretty much the end of the article, but I guess it's not true, so that's good. But I don't know why this story... This is what's so deceiving about the media. They, like, make a headline. This is probably why someone who is writing this country refers to the media as, quote, fake news. Um, I don't know. I just say all that to say, Harvey, pipe down. Jennifer Aniston, you do you, queen. You keep being the queen that you are. I love you, girl. Okay, so the next story I have for you all. Hmm, let's see here. <laughs> oh, here we go. This is somebody that I've never talked about ever, but I literally am obsessed with um, his wife, Oprah. Uh, uh, not wife, partner. Stedman Graham, who is Oprah's life partner. Oprah won Obama the White House, but she's no one's VP. I love me some Oprah, and I love me some Stedman, because they're literally, their goals, their couple goals. Um, Oprah's longtime partner, Stedman Graham, says that Barack Obama owes his presidency to O. She's got political clout, but she's not about to be running mate for either Democratic candidate. We got Stedman in our nation's capital Tuesday afternoon and asked if Oprah should hop on the ticket with Joe Biden or Bernie Sanders, now that lots of folks are clamoring for the old, for the old white men to choose a minority woman as Veep. First of all, I'm going to say that TMZ, you should not say that women are a minority because women are not a minority. Women are our equals. So bad on you, Harvey Levin. Um, to continue, that's when Stedman dropped his Obama bombshell. He says Oprah is the main reason Barack was elected president in 2008, but he also makes it clear she's got no public office aspirations of her own. Sure, Oprah endorsed Obama back in the day, but Stedman says this doesn't mean she's political. We asked him if a personal call from Barack would change her mind, though, and he gave us some insider VP scoop. Bottom line, the Dems might want to look elsewhere. Stedman says Oprah's already found a calling with way more impact um, than what she could do in D.C. I, I just, like, I can't see Oprah in the office. In the office, I think Oprah's way too big. Oprah... Oprah Winfrey is pretty much bigger than a presidency because what she's doing is she's opening up schools in Africa. She's so philanthropic. She has the O network, the Oprah Winfrey network. She 
uh, is doing life class. She is just doing a president is a figurehead and a president is the government, basically. And the view put this so well. The, the, the government is what you go to or what you turn to. I think Joy actually said this, and this was very, very poignant. Um, the government is who you turn to in times of a crisis. Uh, terrorism, uh, plague, like, well, not a plague, like an illness of what's going on now, like COVID-19. Um, but Oprah is literally just running the world and the states. So I think Oprah should just stay what she's doing because she's basically president of the world um, without actually having to officially be president of the United States. So bless you, Oprah. You keep doing your damn thing, girl. And I love your Instagram. It's literally so cute. I love when she's doing little walks with her puppies. It just makes me so happy. It makes my heart so warm. Okay, so the next story we have here, it's a bit of a sad one. Hannah Brown reunites with Tyler Cameron after his mother's death. As you guys know, many of you, or if you don't know, you should know. Um, it's really sad news. Tyler Cameron from The Bachelor, his mother passed away. Um, last week, and it's just very sad news. Um, and Hannah Brown, I guess, is reuniting with them, which is so nice. Because I feel like in death, you, you realize who your true friends are. You know, people put aside their differences, and they all come together, and they're just supportive and um, shoulder to lean on, as they say. Because, you know, losing a loved one is just so much bigger than any issues you have with someone. Okay, Hannah Brown is standing by Tyler Cameron's side. The Bachelorette star may uh, have not picked the model during the show's finale, during the show season finale, but it's clear the two still have a bond like no other. Over the weekend, Hannah was spotted hanging out with the 27-year-old star in his hometown of Jupiter, Florida. This reunion comes a little over the week after it was announced that Tyler's mom, Andrea uh, Herman Cameron, had passed away due to suffering from a brain aneurysm. So sad. Upon hearing the news, Hannah extended her love and support to Tyler during his time of need, and it appears she's continuing to do just that. Quote, Hannah Brown and Tyler Cameron were at Miller's Ale House in Jupiter, Florida on Saturday for a celebration of Andrea Cameron and Eyewitness Tells E! News. Um, the duo's reunion, quote, Hannah came to Miller's first, then Tyler showed up a little bit after, and they sat in the high-top area. Oh my gosh, she's so pretty. According to an eyewitness, the two didn't show any obvious PDA, but they definitely enjoyed each other's company. Um, quote, there were a lot of people in their group celebrating, and everybody looked like they were having a great time. The onlooker shared, adding that Tyler ordered some drinks with his friends in addition to the Saturday celebration in Andrea's honor. The same day, it was revealed that her family plans to launch a charity dedicated to her. Um, in the wake of the tragic event, we feel compelled to honor our mother. Oh, her sons are also handsome. She had three sons, including Cam Tyler. Um, we, develop we, develop we are developing a charitable foundation so that she can continue to impact others as always, as she has always done. We feel this is the best way to continue her legacy of giving a statement read on the family's GoFundMe page. In lieu of flowers, we ask that you donate to the GoFundMe account so that we can begin our quest of serving others like she did her, so she had her entire life. Um, may you rest in peace, um, Andrea. And this is nice, you know, reuniting with your old friends given a tragedy. Uh, of course, it's, you know, it's really important to do so. Okay, so the final story I have the days in the wake of the coronavirus and, you know, sort of all the events that are being canceled or or, or, or postponed, as I mentioned before. I put in my episode yesterday, but it was actually confirmed today that Coachella is postponing till October. Um, given, you know, the current epidemic that's going on and wanting to make sure that everybody's okay before, you know, uh, drawing in a big crowd to the valley essentially uh, or the desert um okay so south, and this is about south by southwest a different festival that was canceled okay this is from paychecks south by southwest xssw refusing to issue refunds after being canceled due to coronavirus oh come on now just give a check back to everybody 2020's music festival season is headed south fast. Austin, after Austin canceled its long-running annual South by Southwest festival due to concerns over the spread of coronavirus, the company behind the festival is now refusing to refund thousands of ticket buyers for their purchases. Oh my gosh, you guys, my mouth is so dry, I need water, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna wrap it up here and then I'm gonna get some water because I'm parched. Um, according to South by Southwest terms and conditions, South by Southwest's terms and conditions of participation, there's strict no fund refund policy, there's strict no refund policy states, quote, any and all payments made due South by Southwest 
are not refundable for any reason, including without limitation, failure to use credentials due to illness, acts of God, travel-related problems, acts of terrorism, loss of employment, and or duplicate purchases. Due to the cancellation, the festival also laid off a third of its employees, a decision referred to as, quote, the only way to stop the bleeding by a source to the Austin Chronicle. Um, quote, we are devastated to share this news with you. Conference organizers wrote in a statement on the SXSW website, the show must go on. It's in our DNA. Um, and this is the first time in 34 years that the March event will not take place. We are now working through the ramifications of this unprecedented situation. Um, yeah, I get that you, like, are strict in policy, about your policies and, want, like, not wanting to give people their money back. But, like, if you're laying off half your people, then you should refund everybody who wants their money back. Because if you're canceling the festival, it's one thing if you're rescheduling. Like, the thing that Coachella did that I think is so classy is they're, re- they're, re- they're, they're postponing until October. And they're saying they're anyone, everyone who's confirmed with their tickets is going to be able to obviously go. But if there is, in fact, people who can't make it in October, then they're obviously going to talk about refunds. Um, and I think that's just a really classy way to do it. So go Coachella and shame on you, South by Southwest, because honestly, people need their money back. And the fact that you're canceling it and just wanting to keep everybody's money, like, what are you going to do with it? Like, I understand you probably had to prepay your artists that are going to come in, but like, shame on you. I mean, I know like all these stars need their money, but like also some of the people that are working hard paycheck to paycheck. Like, given the fact that like the market is just, I don't know, out of control, I just don't understand it. But anyways... So that's my episode. Thank you, everybody. Hope you all have a great hump day. Uh, check out my podcast, Broadway Baby. My first episode is up. It's called Beetlejuice the Musical. Um, and thanks so much, as always, for listening to my podcast, The Mistress of Pop Culture. I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. Check out my Instagram out, Andrew DeVitri, or at Broadway Baby, or at The Mistress of Pop Culture. I'm literally like a influencer now. So yeah, whatever. All right, everybody, have a great one. Be safe, be clean, use some hand sanitizer, wash your hands. Bye-bye.